digital marketing isn't a uh, create it and forget it type activity. You know, it's something that once you have it going, you need to be messing with it. You need to be tweaking it and playing with it and doing new stuff and continually testing and revising and making stuff better. Otherwise, it's going to stagnate out and you're going to end up not getting any results at all. And that's a really a challenge for a lot of small businesses when they have, you know, it's the the owner and maybe a couple employees doing stuff, maybe an office manager, but no one really dedicated to that marketing piece. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Morgan, and I'm here with my friend, Kevin Snow. Kevin is the CEO of Time on Target. He is the uh, co-host of the Growth Mode Podcast, another great podcast you can check out out there. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on the show. So uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff today. i got a bunch of things I want to ask you about, but the first thing's first, right? And, and spoiler alert, this is not whiskey this is actually iced tea because it is a balmy humid hot alabama afternoon that i'm recording this podcast sorry to disappoint let's get into what we're cooking though uh so for kevin even though he's not gonna be able to eat it for kevin today we're making this is a first for here so we've done i think i've done wings one time before but we're doing wings today grilled wings but for the first time ever we're going with lemon pepper Right, so I get yelled at too with this spray. We're gonna go lemon pepper wings and talk grow in your business with Kevin Snow. Kevin, how often do you get out and, and grill in your backyard? Uh, not as much as I would like. Uh, I maybe grill once a week right now. So okay, what's your go-to grill? I I'm really super basic that way. I really like a grilled hamburger. Nice. Okay. So, you know, and I'll grill the other stuff. I'll do pork chops and steak and, you know, and veggies and all that stuff. But I, I really like grilled hamburgers, which is funny because when I was growing up, I wouldn't eat them. Isn't that weird how your taste buds yeah, change? Yeah, my mom would have to, like, fry a hamburger for me while dad was grilling hamburgers for the rest of the family. It was just really odd. When you say fry a hamburger, was she like throwing it in a vat of oil, or was it just like griddled in a pan? No, just like in, in your cast iron pan. You know? Oh yeah, okay. When you grill a hamburger, are you a cheese guy? Are you trying to put onions on top? What's the what's the move? Uh, I I'm always a cheese on t- or always a cheese person in general. Um, okay. Sometimes I'll actually do. I don't know if you've heard of it in Alabama. In Minnesota, we have what's called the Juicy Lucy. Oh, yeah, baby. Juicy Lucy. We, we Come on. We are the home of the Juicy Lucy. So every once in a while. Two different places to get yep, the Juicy yep. Lucy, right? What are you? Uh, which team are you? Uh, I am a Mats. Okay. Is that, the one, is that the one that yells at you to shut the door when you come inside? Yes. And they don't serve you ice with the water, and it's basically like you're here for the burger, and that's it, right? Yeah, it, yeah it's a kind of a little dive bar, but it's, and it's a really good personality, but I like their their Juicy Lucy's are better. They, they're a, explain, explain what a Juicy so, Lucy is for Yeah, everybody. Juicy Lucy is basically you take a patty of, uh, of beef, and you put some cheese, a dollar, you know, like a couple cubes of good melty cheese in the middle, and then you put another patty of... Uh, burger on top and squeeze it all together so it makes one big patty with cheese in the middle. So and then you grill it and you have um, molten fire when you bite into it and molten cheese going everywhere. 
<laughs> but yeah, they do they do everything from uh, cheddar to uh, pepper jack to all kinds of really weird cheeses. Now you can get in your juicy Lucy. That's one of my favorite. You know, when I had to travel a lot for work, one of the best things that you do to sort of get through the madness of being on the road all the time is you try to find the the food that is like the the iconic thing of where you are and so you're you know you're eating juicy lucy's and skyline chilies and you know in and out burger yep. and different different things uh but juicy lucy's is fun but the guy was super mean at matt's like he was like he was kind of a he was kind of a jackass. Like I, I, I remember we're coming in and we're like, ah, oh, we're tourists, and the doors <laughs> like not closing behind me. And he's some I don't know. I'm assuming it's I don't maybe it's probably not Matt, but whoever it was was bah, you know shut the door and we're uh, we shut the door. <laughs> and then there was like you know we just wanted a water or whatever, and there was like no he just dumped water in from like a hose outside and whatever. If it wasn't for this legendary burger, this would be a one-star experience, but the burger just makes yeah. up the rest of the Delta to the five-star. Yeah. When I travel, I like to find the local food hangouts. So, like, if I'm at a bar or something, I'll always ask the, the server where they eat, where they like to have food at. Oh, nice. Because it's always better. Because no, you know, hotels, it's, it's always going to be like, oh, you got to go to this restaurant. It's always going to be the touristy one. Uh, that they've got some sort of relationship with. So, you know, ask the servers, like, yeah, we go to this place. They have the best wings or this place has the best whatever. Uh, and that's how I do it. Or I am a divers, diners, and drives. Oh, yeah, baby. Triple yeah. D and and man versus food. Oh, God. They're, so they used to have this app, and it went away. I don't know who made this app, but this was a map called TV food maps and you could download this thing on your phone and it would tell you, you go on there and it would tell you what restaurants near you had been on what television show. Uh, and it was just the easiest way to find, I guess they never found a business model, which is why the, the yep. thing went under, but there's a million places to find that now. And that's like, those are undefeated. If you go to a triple D or a man versus food website, you are guaranteed to have a good. Yeah. Day. There was a man versus food episode where it was a sushi restaurant in Charleston, I think. Uh, and they basically had oh, okay. a spicy tuna challenge where it went from kind of spicy oh, to God. blow your head off spicy. And if Whoa. and if you uh, if you went through and you got through it all, and I think you'd do it in two turns and two visits, but you got the cool little uh, samurai headband that you could wear when you came in, and they'd all... Uh, greet you then if you if you're wearing it as you know the person who uh, finished the challenge and stuff <laughs> and i'm like ooh, a sushi challenge i could do that i want to try that and you did nope i haven't been i've i've oh. yet to be in charleston but charleston's a great town we actually went there a couple months ago with my wife and it was it was phenomenal like it's old old school kind of like old america lots of like history going back to revolutionary times like it's it's Wow. Yeah, I've uh, done Savannah. Thought that was amazing. Uh, Want yeah. definitely go back there. Haven't done a lot of stuff in the South. So, well, listen, we didn't get to be the most obese section of the country <laughs> eating bad food. So get down, get down here. We don't have juicy losies, but we got plenty of. Uh, I don't know. I was going to make something up, but we we've got plenty of good stuff here. That's for sure. Now, does you're you're the CEO and founder of Time on Target. Yep. It's a digital marketing agency. Is that is that the correct yeah. way to characterize that? Yeah, uh, we're a little different than your normal digital marketing 
agency. Most of them are pushing, you know, funnels and drip campaigns and lead nurturing and all that stuff. We actually take a different uh, route into working with our clients. We actually start helping them automate their sales process and helping them figure out, all right, so how do you actually sell and how do we now take uh, the, re the uh, repetitive parts of that process and make it automated? Or how do we inject content into the sales process at the right time so that we're answering key questions that your prospects have uh, when they're asking it and helping accelerate the process? And then once we get the, the sales process all figured out, that's then where we're going to look at, all right, so now how do we feed the, feed the beast? How do we get more prospects coming in? How do we do lead nurturing? Uh, but I'm having been a salesperson, I want to make sure the sales cycle works right before we're throwing leads at it and just wasting leads. So, well, I mean, and stuff is crazy and, and digital marketing has been, you know, the way that people have built a lot of great businesses over the last, you know, 10, 15 plus years or whatever it is, but it's changing rapidly now with, with the way that they've changed how you can target Facebook ads and just all the different platforms and everything is there has has the way that you've done digital marketing had to change in the last couple of years based on all of that? Or is there still like one strategy that just needs tweaking no matter what they do? Uh, you know, for me, it's really, there hasn't been a single strategy because I'm so vested into a sales process and what the, pro the client is doing for selling. You know, we really focus on helping them understand how they're buyer makes that decision and what steps they're going through so we can mirror their process up. What happens a lot, especially in small businesses, when they, they'll get a CRM or some tool that'll have a pipeline capacity to it, they'll just use whatever the system is that's in there. They'll use the steps that are pre-populated. -pre and then they'll try and fit their process into that box. And it screws everything up. So we always come in and we always ask tons of questions to our, our clients about how they sell. And it's, it never fails that when we get to the point where we're asking them about how their buyers buy, you know, nine out of ten times they don't know. They don't know what's causing them to make those decisions. So that's, you know, where we'll end up spending a lot of the time in that consulting part is really meeting with the clients and asking them, all right, so walk me through your experience. What happened? And, you know, and what did, how did that make you feel? And, and all that type of stuff. And it's almost kind of being like a therapist a little bit, getting them to share all that info. But then that really gets to drive, you know, how that company then sells going forward. You know, maybe. How do you, how does, how does somebody, are, are these businesses that are part of their sales processes to interact with their customer directly Ever or are most of these businesses uh, ones that are expecting sort of like a sale and they've never spoken to that customer? No, the you know ninety five percent of my clients are all B two B, where there is some sort of face to face sale, and there's uh, they're very much a service organization uh, where the owner is still probably doing a ton of the sales and he's spending a lot of time uh, face to face with the clients, but he's still trying to grow and scale the business. And they're usually at that point where they're like, oh, we need to hire salespeople. I'm like, no, actually, let's look at this instead. And you, we can save you some money on overhead for employees uh, and probably actually allow you to keep selling like this and bring in more revenue at the same time. So, yeah, most of my clients are all have some sort of face-to-face -face engagement that we're trying to integrate with the automation piece. So of the changes that... I mean, particularly Facebook, but a lot of them have had to make changes 
post-Cambridge Analytica scandal, like everybody's made it more difficult. I mean, it used to be you could just target down to a T and everybody got, you know, weirded out because of privacy and rightfully so. But, you know, in, in today's world, is it still realistic to think that you can run a business strictly on, you know, Facebook ads and targeting and, and, and create a funnel that generates enough revenue to survive or, or forget surviving, thriving, right? Is, is that still a business model or do you have to do other things now? You know, Donnie and I both teach that you have to have multiple sources of your prospects. You know, you can't rely on just one place to feed your pipeline. You know, uh, you totally can generate good prospects from social media, but you got to understand where your where your buyers are at. You know, for what I do and what Donnie and I do with Success Champions, Facebook isn't our thing. You know, most of my buyers, people I interact with, aren't there. Uh, and if they are on Facebook, they're only there because they're trying to sell to someone who's on Facebook and they're not actually using it for their stuff. You know, so we do a ton more on LinkedIn and that's where we focus all our posting and our activities. Uh, and now with the podcast, we're starting to do more on Instagram and uh, TikTok because it's a more of a visual yeah. thing. TikTok uh, is fascinating to me because it is the 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 algorithms that they use to keep your attention there are outstanding. Yep. And uh, it's I've never met anybody that's gotten on TikTok and been like, oh, it sucked. I, I you know after a few days I turned you know at the beginning it was just teeny boppers doing dances you know to whatever the hot dance was at the moment. Now it's like. I'm on there watching people grill out. I'm on there seeing like yep. pro wrestling clips from the nineties. I'm, you know, baseball stats, it, whatever it is, it quickly figures out what you're into, which those types of algorithms also make really ripe, uh, environments for engaging an audience for products, yes. right? Because then you really know what someone's into, but what is the, you know, you just throw up an ad in Facebook and that's a pretty well-established, you know, tried and true kind of thing but when, when you're working with tiktok which is a completely different form it's a short form video people it's so easy to move to the next thing right it's one flick and you're gone and so if they don't have you in like a split second um it doesn't work what is the strategy to get attention using tiktok oh wow um that would be a great donnie question because he's he's doing it more <laughs> than me but it, it's really you know we we don't want the um we don't want the dancing teeny boppers, uh, you know, watching us. We're not designed for them for with growth mode. Uh, so we're really targeting, you know, for us getting it's you have to have that hook right away. That's going to get people to then listen and then engage. Uh, so Donnie, a lot on on uh, TikTok will actually pick a fight. You know, he'll throw out some concept that shouldn't be overly controversial, but it is. Uh, and he'll he'll t make a stand around it and then get people to engage. Uh, you know, like he, uh, one of them he did was a swearing thing, and he got all kinds of engagement, which then drove the algorithm for more people to see his stuff. Uh, you know, and half the half of them were like, yeah, if you want to drop an F-bomb, drop an F-bomb. You know, it shouldn't it doesn't impact your ability to perform. Uh, then other people's like, oh, that's the most unprofessional thing ever. You know, you, why, you should never swear in business. I'm like... Are these are these people dropping that in the yep. comments or are they? No, that's all in the comments. Okay. So and then Donnie replies wow. back to all of them, which then drives the algorithm more. 
and causes people to see his video more often. So, uh, and, and then the oddest thing, his brother did a Mountain Dew beer challenge, um, cause he got dared to do it and it went freaking viral. Mountain Dew beer? Yeah, there was like this challenge where you like drank a beer with Mountain Dew together and I don't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, he got millions of views. <laughs> with his first TikTok ever, he goes viral. We're like, what the hell? Oh, wow. We're like, we hate you. <laughs> <laughs> it's also not super, uh, I, I don't know, youthful, right? I mean, you, you just built an audience of people that want to watch you chug Mountain Dew and yeah. beer. And so I don't know what you do with that audience other than just keep chugging weird things. There's a, there is a TikTok account. Uh, that I follow, which I guess I'm, I guess I'm sort of proving a point here. Is like I'm, <laughs> I'm engaged with this guy, but this guy uh, chugs old beer, and when I say old beer, like people mail him, oh. they find beers from 1976 that were unopened, you know, a Jimmy Carter beer or something, and they he cracks it and warm, like not cold either, just. And you talk about gastrointestinal yeah. issues, right? I mean, this, but but you can't look away, right? Here's this guy chugging this nasty old beer, and you're just like, what a animal <laughs> this guy is. Yeah, right? I, I follow one guy on TikTok where he literally just takes suggestions for mixed drinks. And then he mixes them oh, and, wow. and tastes them live for the first time on air. Uh, and some of them are good, and some of them are obviously not good based on his facial expressions. Uh, so, but yeah, that is literally all his all his content is is him taking requests and mixing drinks and drinking. I'm like, I guess that's kind of like the thing. You got to have a thing uh, on social media that people know. Oh, I go to this. I'm following this account because this one does blank, yep. right? Um, yeah, and we're obviously f- trying to figure that out for this show, right? I mean, I'm we're the show that you come to where we talk business and and grill well, something. I, th- at I the think same you'd time, be able right? to get a ton of uh, traction on there with the grilling part and being able and taking you know uh, bits and pieces and making the, the a grill video on how to do lemon pecker lemon pepper. Lemon pecker. Lemon pecker wings is not on in the cookbook, <laughs> lemon, but it could lemon be. Lemon pepper uh, chicken wings. Wow. Yeah. I had a friend that we used to call lemon pecker back <laughs> in college. But no, I'm kidding. Um, so do you, do you think that the average – maybe this is a little bit of a skewed thing because you're, you talk to a lot of people that are probably already in some level of buying into digital marketing. Do you think the average business is aware – that digital marketing has to be a part of your strategy? Uh, or do you think that most businesses are still behind the curve on that? Um, I think 2020 was a wake-up call for most small businesses. Um, and based on how my phone began to ring and the contacts I was getting, um, I'm pretty sure that's that's a true statement. You know, everyone was all of a sudden working remotely and couldn't go out and do the the things how they normally did, and they had to re, had to now figure out this new way to do stuff, whether it was selling via Zoom, using email, uh, and but they had to now have a digital footprint. So I think a lot of them caught up, but now the struggle for them is how do they maintain it now that they have uh, in person and and real live activities again, and and just keeping it going and and being able to manage it is always a challenge for uh, for a small business because 
digital marketing isn't a uh, create it and forget it type activity. You know, it's something that once you have it going, you need to be messing with it. You need to be tweaking it and playing with it and doing new stuff and continually testing and revising and making stuff better. Otherwise, it's going to stagnate out and you're going to end up not getting any results at all. And that's a really a challenge for a lot of small businesses when they have, you know, it's the the owner and maybe a couple employees doing stuff, maybe an office manager, but no one really dedicated to that marketing piece. But there's so many tools out there now that make it so that it's not like you have to have a giant team doing these types of things anymore. There's so many tools that make you streamline, and not, not the least of which is AI engines, yep. right, or AI platforms that are out there. Are you baking AI strategies into what you do now? Is that are you still kind of learning that? Where are you at in, in you know believing in the, the AI? Movement? So we use AI a lot to help uh, generate and, and uh, brainstorm content, and that's a big mm-hmm. thing for us. Uh, we we use it a ton to take content from our podcasts and turn it into other types of content, uh, blog articles turn it into uh, reels, uh, shorts, uh, turn it into carousels for uh, LinkedIn, all that type of stuff. And now we're starting to play a little bit with it as actual a sales agent, an AI-driven sales agent that carries conversations with people. So, yeah, so we're, we're, we're testing that out a little bit. The price point is a little, uh, it seems a little pricey per lead for what we wanted to use it to promote. Uh, but it is a, it's a cool application. Are you like a chat GPT guy or is there a different one that you're using? Yeah, we both use chat GPT. Uh, and that's what we're kind of playing with right now. We were in early enough that we got in and, uh, ha- have the account and can do, do all the stuff and get the updated, yeah. updated when they come out. So, uh, and it, it works and it's, it's nice, you know, it, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you, have yet to, you know, go pull up a browser and Google Chat GPT and start playing with it for free, yep. right? You can just log in using a Gmail account or whatever and play with it for free. If you're not doing that, you need that as your homework assignment is to yeah. go do it. And, and if you think this is some nerdy tech guy bull, like I'm telling you, this is one of those things that in five years, everybody on the planet is going to be talking about this and how it changes things and this isn't like some hype i didn't i wasn't bought into you know the metaverse and everything like i'm pretty skeptical when these movements come about but i'm telling you this one you know the internet in the 90s uh you know social media uh cell phones smartphones i would put this in the same sort of trajectory of like this is going to be the next big thing that you know we're going to be able to draw a line before and after this sort of happened it makes everything uh more streamlined it changes it changes so many things so you can go on these engines and talk about anything and talk to it like in a in a conversation and it is really the first real threat to the google search engine that we've seen in 20 plus years, right? It's the first real threat because if I was going to research something, let's say I needed to research a disease, right? Because somebody I know has a disease and how are we going to treat this? I might spend two months searching Google, looking for the doctors that treat this disease, looking for, um, you know, where research papers and who's the experts in this, or I could just simply go to an AI search engine and say, 
when it comes to this disease, what are the five doctors in the United States that have treated this more than anybody else? What are the five uh, research paper, or excuse me, the five most cited researchers and all academic research? And yeah. in a second, you've got that answer, right? And uh, and yes, do you need to go back and check out and figure out whether it's true or whether there's validity to what? Yeah, you should. But the efficiency, I think that's what today I see artificial intelligence um, creating efficiency in business processes yeah. that you could never have dreamed of before. Yeah, and that's that's really how we're using it with the content creation. You know, I am a super slow writer because I am an introvert yeah. and I want yes. uh, perfection and I rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and keep tweaking and all of a sudden it's been eight hours and I'm just now getting my blog published. So the use of AI for me is really nice because it can give me, I can tell it, hey, give me 10, 10 bullet points about this topic and then I can refine those bullet points more and then tell it to write stuff using three of those. Uh, and refine it more. And then I can take it and use that as a guide to write my own content. Never, ever, ever, for all the listeners, never use the content right out of AI. It's, because it's probably copyrighted. Because it's, it's literally just pulling from a snapshot of the Internet. You know, what? I, so in another episode, I had uh, a, a expert in writing books on the show. And we talked about how... Artificial intelligence is threatening the the concept of the ghostwriter because you you know for those who don't know what that is I mean, it's it's pretty typical for people to hire a ghostwriter somebody who will write a book for you based on the content and all the stories that you give them and they sort of write you a first draft or a rough draft or whatever and then you edit it and you kind of do they do a lot of the the heavy lifting. Artificial intelligence is absolutely capable of doing that now, right? I mean, you could just sit and talk to chat GPT and tell it your life story and then say, all right, kick me out chapter one, kick me out chapter two, and it will give you something that's pretty passable. And then you go in and you start editing it and you make it your own. But again, it's about efficiency and speed. And I, I think, you know, there's been... Now that everybody has a calculator in their pocket, it's long ago that the idea that arithmetic, math, you know, adding and, and multiplication and things like you needed to memorize those things. It's not the kind of life skill that you need anymore. You spend a lot of effort learning that because you can pull out something and calculate it yourself. You still need to understand the concepts, but you don't need to know the math. I think that's what AI is going to do to writing. Um, I don't think you need – you're going to have to have people that really – really have to dive to the bottom of like AP style and all these different ways to create. You need to understand the concepts and you need to be able to apply them. But um, you can have something draft you up something so quickly in, well, today, I was going to say in the future, but today that um, I think you're going to start to see writers. It's really going to change the, the, the style and, and the content creation, uh, you know, industry. Have you, uh, were you a Star Trek fan at all? I was not. Oh, no. Well, um, I hated that crap, to be honest. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it's not cool to say anymore, but like, remember when that wasn't cool? It wasn't cool to watch that stuff back in the day. Like, I didn't, I didn't. I was watching baseball. So, on one of the, uh, uh, the Star Trek, the Voyager series, they have a sentient hologram character who writes a book and, and send it to a publisher while, you know, and the publisher, um, 
went and published it uh, without getting all the final edits from the from the doctor. And then so there's this big fight about it. You know, is it was the hologram sentient, and did he have artistic rights? But the whole idea that mm-hmm. AI can write a book for you, you know, when that came out in the '90s, that was you know really far fetched. That there's this you know computer thing yeah. that's going to write a book and inter- interact with humans and act just like we do. But now it's it's really you know it's really we're there. We're on the precipice of that with the ability for an AI. You tell an AI to write a children's book and give it a topic and a general uh, timeline of what you want to happen, and it'll kick out a children's book for you. Yeah. And it's... It's, it's wild, right? I mean, it just... And so I think we're, we're probably in like a five-year window, uh, in my opinion, where the average walking-around person on Earth is behind the curve on this. Uh, and so if you're listening to this podcast and you're looking for an edge, this is your edge, Right. Artificial intelligence is your edge right now. If you can teach yourself what these things can do, brainstorm on ways that this tool can make you more efficient, can make you smarter, can make you faster, can help you brainstorm new things, um, this is your edge, right? There's this whole discussion, too, about how it's changing music, right? And there's AI music engines where... Uh, you know, it used to be if you were if you're like a hip hop artist or something, you'd go connect with some great DJ and they would like pull you out 15 different beats that they've been working on. And you go, ooh, I like that one. Let's work on that. And then they make a song out of it where now you can have AI create 100 beats for you and you stumble on the one that's kind of cool and then you start to work on it. And is that cheating? Is that I don't know. I mean, that's that's those are answers that we sort of need to figure out collectively as as a community. But um there's no question that, that those tools are changing everything. Well, the same is true with graphic design. There's all kinds of plugins for ChatGPT, and there's WALL-E, and all kinds of different tools where you can actually tell it, I want an image of this, and it'll create you know, 50 different examples of that image, and you can say, oh, I like that one, change this, and now you can start tweaking it, and you don't have to know how to do digital imagery anymore. So it's, you know, it is a huge, you know... It is a huge time saver and everyone's like, oh, it's going to take jobs away from humans. Like, no, it's the the people who are doing that already and actually know how to construct a good image are just going to be able to use AI way better than me. You know, I I can do some cool things with imagery, but, you know, the, an actual graphic designer who knows all the right words to use to a computer about design and style and, and colors and shading and all that stuff is going to way outperform me. Same with the copywriter who's saying the right things to it to get good copy. Yeah, the buzzword... 10 years ago was an AI, it was automation, right? And how you could automate things. And I was at a Gartner symposium years ago, and there was this whole discussion about um, if you zoom way out and look at an economy, these types of technological advances don't eliminate jobs, it just moves them, right? So it'll, it, you're not, you don't have as many copywriters in the future, but you have more people designing and manipulating and using AI things. It just moves the jobs from one part of the economy to the next. And, you know, the concern there is you just want to make sure that most people can, the people that are lost in that shuffle can retool themselves to, to another spot in the economy where they can be productive. Yep. Not to go on, like, you know, an economic stun, stump but, speech but, here. But, like, I mean, that that's really what's going on in the economy. Yeah, and that's what happens throughout any civilization's history. You go from, you know, an, ag- uh, an agrarian 
culture where everyone has to farm because that's the only way you create enough food to support all this, the, the members of your society to, you know, you become industrialized where people start moving into the cities because now you're working manufacturing and you've automated the farming piece. Uh, and you, then you shift from blue collar into those skilled, you know, more skilled uh, electronic uh, type professions and it's just this ongoing profession of how your economy is is based uh, but it is really important to understand it's like all right so we have all these people that have been doing these jobs that aren't a key part of our economy anymore how do we bring them along and how do what's the process to get them to the new economy that is digital based so that they can use these tools and generate revenue and you know Right now, we're in a big transition to a gig economy, and everyone's utilizing their skills on their own, and that's that's a big change for a lot of people. Gig economy's been around for a little bit, but you're right. I mean, it was, you know, think about the freak out that everyone had you know, 15, 10, 15 years ago when, when like, the concept of being an Uber yep. driver and a DoorDash driver and, you know, a freelance graphic artist or whatever, right? I mean, there's so many things that you can do on your own now. Um, and I think that's a net good thing. I think if you're, if you're savvy enough to understand those things and to be able to sort of run your life uh, that way, then, then good. I mean, I think that's a great thing. I don't think that the world is served well that in 50 years we're all still trying to play the gold watch game that our, that our parents' yep. generations played, right? Where you go work a job for 40 years, you hope that they take care of you. Uh, oftentimes they don't, right? And then you're just sort of stuck. I think um, there's something liberating about having all these job opportunities and career paths that didn't exist before, but that you really are your own boss and you're in control of. Yeah, you know, I like that concept. That's why I have time on target because I'm definitely in that gig world, working with multiple clients at once, doing a bunch of different things. Uh, but and I, I chose that lifestyle because it allows me a lot of freedom for how I run my business and how what I get to do with my life. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of people that it, it doesn't work as well for, and that's okay. You know, and you just have to figure out what works best for you and your family. Uh, and then, you know, not wanting to go down the political route, but then, you know, government, stay out of it. Let us run our businesses. Let us figure out what works for us. Let us figure out what works best for us. And then, you know, we'll take care of business and you can get your taxes. That's right. And they will find ways to tax everything. That was one of the things that I've always believed about cryptocurrency is that it's never going to go away once they figure out how to tax it. Uh, that's sort of like the truest thing that I can ever think of. Flipping the chicken wings here, by the way. Checking on our lemon pepper goodness. I think we're almost done. Chicken wings don't take a long time, especially when you start from fresh and not frozen. What do you so think? are you, uh, were those pre-seasoned, or are you going to be seasoning no, them after? No. We went with we went with a uh, custom Morgan Family Lemon Pepper Blend, which uh, consisted of store-bought lemon pepper <laughs> and some other couple little things that I threw on there. But um, I love lemon pepper wings, too, but you got to get them crunchy. So I'm, I'm cooking these a lot more than I would cook a chicken breast, yeah. right? Because I, I, want, I want the chicken to be really done and crispy on the outside. Um, and there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can... You can you know, you can will the outside of them and different things. I just kind of went with the straight method here. But um, crispy chicken wings. This is one of the few things. 
Now, I cook all sorts of weird stuff on this podcast. It's one of the few things that when I'm walking down here and somebody in my family, like my wife, will ask, what are you making on the podcast today? And I say wings. They're, like, trying to make sure they're hanging around <laughs> so that's that they get some wings. Usually they're like, eh, I'll skip the pork roast. So uh, are you a spicy wings person or not? I do like spicy wings. Nobody else in my family does. Uh, so I don't like I, I, I don't like um, pain. Like, you know, you get some yep. people that it's just super pain. Let me I agree with you though. I don't I like I like hot and spicy, but I want there to be good flavor. Um, back back yeah. to the Triple D, you know, they visited a place in Minnesota called Smalley's Pirate Barbecue in in uh, Stillwater, uh, and they did a wing called the Triple Six Wings. Oh, and they were they're hot. They were easily the hottest wings I ever had, but they tasted good. They they were full of flavor, and they had the peppers balanced right, so that you got that full pepper flavor. But then you got the different layers of heat off of it too, and they were just amazing. Uh, and and their warm up for you know the you know most places bring out chips to snack on while you're waiting for your food. They brought out grilled jalapenos, ooh, with some salt and a little lime over the top, and they just brought you this big thing, and you just ate grilled jalapenos as your appetizer. I'm like. All right. Well, this will get me all warmed up. Grilled stuffed jalapenos with like cheese and bacon wrapped. It's one of my favorite things to put on a grill. It's such a great yep. appetizer. It's super easy to do. People people love it. They're not that hot, you know. Especially if you you sort of cook them right. They're not. They're a little bit of heat, but tons of flavor. That's what you're talking about yep. before. Hey, I want to ask you about. I wanted to make sure we get to the Badass Business Summit, right? So that's something that you and the Donnie, uh, the Donnie gang, Donnie Bovine, yep. uh, are putting on. So show them your shirt. There you go. If you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube or on Spotify, you can see we got the shirt. The uh, Badass Business Summit is coming up this fall. Where and when is that going to be? The Badass Business Summit is coming up September 20th through the 23rd in Fort Worth, Texas. Yes. And we can wait. And last year you guys had a packed house, and I'm super uh, honored and excited. I get to actually be a speaker this year. So I'm going to come down and connect with everybody, make some new connections, and, you know, talk a little bit about my story and, and get people fired up. Yeah, we, I've, I've been dropping your name everywhere <laughs> the last couple weeks. We're <laughs> like, and, who, and we have some really badass speakers coming in, and I'll drop your name. And we got Michael Haynes coming in from Australia. First, yeah, first U.S. stage. Wow. He's never been on a U.S. stage before. We're his first, so he's flying in from Australia, and he is pumped about, about that? that. Yeah, so we have some really we have some really killer presenters this year. So uh, we're excited. Um, it, and the nice thing about the summit is it's not like your normal business conference. It's not that conference where you go and you sit through a bunch of different sessions and you listen to a bunch of speakers and you take copious notes and then you get back to your business that following Monday and you're like, well, now what do I do with all this? And you have this all this stuff that you want to do but you don't know where to start. It's all like half thought out ideas. The summit is actually designed to give you time to work on it. And instead of lectures, 
all our speakers are workshop based. So it's all working on specific things. Uh, and we build into the schedule each day a mastermind session where you're going to work with your, your co-attendees on things that are going on in your business. So you're going to be spending time not only absorbing a ton of information and techniques and tactics, but you're also going to actually get to actively process it and start thinking about how you apply it and walk out of the summit with plans in place that you can start executing. Man, that's awesome. It's uh, it's such a – I mean, the concept is phenomenal, but it's just also the vibe. I mean, you don't, you don't find many business conferences that um, – well, frankly, have the word ass in the title, right? I mean, uh, you don't, but you just, I, there's something that's so, I don't know, it's a home game for me, the way I feel like it, because there's something um, really liberating about not trying to seem like a Harvard Business School scholar, no offense to my friends at HBS, <laughs> but like, there's, there's really some value in just kind of being like, hey, there's more to entrepreneurship than just tech entrepreneurship, yep. right? There's all sorts of different types of businesses and you need to really come out and learn and work hard and be a badass. And I just think that's such a cool concept to, to build a conference around. Yeah. We wanted to do something different. Just like when we launched uh, success champions, uh, the networking side, the peer to peer groups, we wanted to fix everything that was broken about business networking. And we're continuing to innovate and break uh, break all the rules with that. But we wanted to do the same thing for the Badass Business Summit. We didn't want your boring ass uh, summit where you sat in sessions all day, then you went out, got drunk off your ass at night, and then came back and did it again, and then came home and didn't know why you were even really there. We want people leaving there saying, wow, that was the best conference I've ever been to, and I actually got stuff out of it. And then so, you know, last year... We did for the first time. We offered the tickets at the summit for the follow for this year, and we had you know we sold half of our VIP tickets Whoa. that day, and we sold a bunch of our standard tickets as well, uh, and you know which is awesome. So that that in itself is a testament to how how good the content is and how much it impacts the attendees and their businesses. That's so good. So if somebody wants to learn more about the Badass Business Summit, maybe attend, where could they find it? Yeah, easiest way is just to go to badassbusinesssummit.com, and you can see all of our speakers. I just updated the site today with a couple new ones we added in. Uh, you'll be able to see the current schedule on there. You'll be able to see information about the hotel we're at, uh, things you can do in Fort Worth. Fort Worth has some amazing barbecue. So me Come so on. me and Don, you're totally going to be taking you out to check out barbecue I one night. Wait, so. we may we may broadcast live, so tune into social media. I may have to live broadcast some. There's no – I know – listen, I'm in Alabama. No offense to all my brothers here that make some of the best barbecue around, but there's no barbecue like Texas barbecue. Yeah, I uh, – we found – last time I was in Texas with Donnie, we found a, a place called Dane's. Oh, it was mm. just killer. And he was out of a food truck. And uh, since le since then, he's now moved into an actual uh, restaurant, and he's got a uh, full kitchen, and it's yeah, he is he's doing it right. So there, we have some good places we can it. take you. I can't wait. I can't wait for the summit too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Kevin, let's give one last check to the uh, the chicken here. We should be done. I mean, we're pretty much done before. Oh yeah, babe, we're done. Let's get some of these. Let's get some of these bad boys off. These, you know, you hope to season wings well enough where you don't even need ranch. 
Not that you wouldn't do ranch, but you don't need ranch, right? That's the, uh, that's the best way. So, Kevin, thank you so much for being here, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll have you guys on again. Uh, and before we get to the summit, we should have you and Donnie on to get people fired up and, uh, and learn more about the movement that you guys are creating, which I'm love, I love and I'm, I'm honored to be a part of. Yeah, we are so excited to have you down there. And uh, uh, we've, been, we've been really singing your praises, and there's a lot of people excited to meet you and hear your stories. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait, man. Kevin, thank you so much for being here, man. And, guys, if you uh, enjoy more than just lemon pepper wings, if you enjoy business talk and badassery like Kevin and like this type of thing, uh, make sure that you find us on social media. You can find us on TikTok. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere you find social media. Uh, even Threads, right, which is the new thing that just came out from Facebook. Today. We're getting on the thread. Today, right, when we're recording this. So, um, find us there. Also, if you found something valuable in this podcast, please tell a friend, send them the episode, and give us a five-star rating and a like, and we'll see you next time on the Slow Smoke Business Show. Also, you guys heard us talking about Donnie Bovine, good friend of ours. He's a part of the Badass Business Summit and the Growth Mode Podcast. If you'd like to check that episode out of the Slow Smoke Business Show, look for Season 2, Episode 7, where you can catch uh, you can catch Kevin and my friend Donnie talking to us. And I was also on an episode of the Growth Mode Podcast. So go check that podcast out and look for Jared Morgan, and you'll hear our conversation there.